Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. <clears throat> Hebrews chapter 2. And I'm going to read the first four verses. Therefore, we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. But the word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord, and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him, God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, and with divers miracles, and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. I remember when I was in middle school, we had a history teacher. And always the day before a test, he would say something to this effect. Now listen carefully. Because this is what's going to be on the test. The title of the message this morning is, Now you listen to me and take heed. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege we have to open your word. We thank you, Father, for the instruction that it gives us and how it challenges us and examines our hearts before you. And I pray, Father, as we look into the word of God today, that you'd help me. Bring forth the word of truth as it is in truth. And I pray that you'd help those who hear to make give heed and careful examination of their own life and walk with the Lord. Help us to listen and take heed for your glory and for your honor. Lord, we do pray at the beginning of our midst today who have never been born again. The Spirit of God will work in their hearts. And do it and give life, which only you can. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. This chapter starts out with the word, therefore, uh, which is a conjunction which connects what is written here with chapter 1, the prior chapter. So really what he's saying is, so considering, and you know, we looked at chapter 1, considering that our Lord is worthy of worship, of angels, he's better than the angels, that was the main focal point of chapter 1, he's better than the angels, the angels worshipped him, that he is worthy, we ought to give the most earnest heed to what we hear. We need to listen, pay attention, because this is very important, is what he's saying. It's very important. So as we consider this this morning, I want to notice three things, and I have some sub-points. First of all, the consideration we are to give to the Word of God. Now, that's identical, really, or the same thing as saying the consideration we are to give to the Lord. Because He is the living Word. He is the Word of God. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. He is the Word. You know, the Word of God is so vital to life that it should have preeminence in our life. It should have priority in our life. We learn in chapter 1 that, this, that it is a revelation of God to man. That's the Word of God. It reveals God to us. It tells us where we came from, what our purpose here is for being, and what our end will be. 
It reveals to us that we have the power to choose life. And it's the Word of God that brings life. It is the Word of life. But we have the power to choose life or death. But we do not have the power to legislate or determine the consequences of our choices. For the Lord is the author and finisher of our faith. So, as we consider the importance of the Word of God, I want to notice several things. First of all, it is proper and right that we give serious consideration to the Word of God. It's proper and right. Notice verse 1 again. Therefore, we ought to give the most earnest heed. The word ought means it behooves us, it is necessary, it is right, it is proper. In fact, the word ought is translated must needs 58 times. Must needs. You know, the Bible says in John 4 that Jesus must needs go through Samaria. He needed to go through Samaria because there was a woman that he was going to meet at the well of Sychar who needed him. Must needs. You see, we must needs give hot, hear, heed to. We ought to give the more earnest heed. That means more abundant, more exceedingly. It's more important than anything else in life. Time in the Word of God is more important, far more important than the news. Movies, sports, entertainment. Even the necessities of life like food and water and clothing. Shelter. And even employment. Revelation 4.11 says, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. God created everything for Himself. He created you for Himself. For His purpose, for His glory. You know, Job said in Job 23, verse 12, Neither have I gone back from the commandment of His lips, for I have esteemed the word of His mouth more necessary than my food. More than my necessary food. Food's necessary. But it isn't as important as the Word of God. Jesus said man shall live by bread alone. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the, man, out of the mouth of God. In Matthew chapter 6, in verses 19 through four, uh, 34... Jesus is talking to his disciples, and you know, evidently the disciples were getting concerned about what they were going to eat, what they were going to wear, and where they were going to shop, and what they were going to do, you know, how they were going to survive. And, and Jesus said, Lay not for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. If your treasure is on earth, your, your, your heart's going to be on earth, earthly. Worldly. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore the eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. So then you have a, a, a singular focus on where your treasure is. But if an eye be evil, thy whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light is in thee, be darkness. How great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what you shall eat, what you shall drink, nor yet for the body, what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat, and the body than raiment? 
Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. Yet I say unto you, that Stephen Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast in the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye little faith? Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. You see, it's proper and right that we give preeminence to the word of God because it is the most important thing. You know, God created us for his glory, for his purpose, and it, furthermore, it's he that sitteth on the circle of the earth and upholds all things by the word of his power, and, 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 and he's the one that controls the things of the earth. You know, men and women, when they forsake God, bring trouble and chaos into the world. All this trouble and chaos in the world is because men and women have forsaken God. You know, it tears the world apart and destroys it when men depart from God. You know, every civilization that rejects God degenerates. Study history. You know, Afghanistan was modernizing. It's going to go backwards now. It's going to go backwards. You know, they become, these civilizations become what the world calls primitive or underdeveloped. You know why societies are primitive or underdeveloped? It's because they're degenerative. It's because they have forsaken God. They become barbaric. You see, the most important, it's most important that we give serious consideration to the word of God. It has the power to give life. You know, it was the word of God that gave life all of a sudden to the children of Israel. They were slaves in Egypt. It was the word of God that brought liberty to them. Think about it. The words of God to Moses. And Moses gave that word of God to the children of Israel. And it brought them into the promised land and liberated them. Jesus said in John 6, 63, The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. So we need to give this serious consideration. It's most important we give serious consideration to the word of God. It's proper, it's right. second reason we need to give serious consideration is we are prone. Now don't look at me angelic. We are all prone to forsake it. And forget about it. Notice again verse 1. Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed. To the things which we have heard. Lest at any time. We should let them slip. The word lest means perchance. 
Do you think there's a possibility we might not always consider the worldliness of the Lord? Of his grace and mercy that is extended to us, of our desperate need of him? Is there a possibility we might forget about that sometimes? Luke 21, 34, the Lord said, Take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness. You know what surfeiting is? It's gluttony. Eating yourself full till you don't feel good. That's a lot of Americans. Drunkenness. And the cares of this lie, worry about things in this lie, so that they come upon you unawares. So here's what he's talking about people. They're going to forget about him. They're going to disregard the love and mercy of God extended. They're not going to be watching for his coming because his coming, they're concerned about the things of this life. What they're going to eat, what they're going to drink, what they're going to wear, where they're going to shop. And we're worried about those things. Where I'm going to be employed. That's more important to them. And then the words, we should let them slip, means let salvation, which the things heard show us how to obtain, slip away from us. <clears throat> the writer here of Hebrews, whether it be Paul, I, I, my personal opinion is Paul, but whether it be Paul or whoever it was, it's the Spirit of God has shown us clearly who Jesus Christ is. He is the revelation of God to us. He is, verses 1 through 3, He's the acceptable offering for sin that God accepts, verse 3. Verse 3 tells us that. We by Himself purged our sin. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. It speaks of God accepting His sacrifice. He is the Creator. Verse 10 tells us that, that the Lord laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens were the work of thine hands and he is the one that keeps all the creation held together he upholds all things by the word of his power verse 3 again he is the begotten of God verse 5 he took uh, God took on a body and became like unto man he is the first begotten the first to resurrect from the dead uh, <clears throat> verse 6 the one who angels worship verse 6 the one whose throne is forever and ever verse 8 he is the Holy One. You know, we talked about His impeccability. The Holy One, the one that cannot sin. Verses 11, verse 9. Uh, he loves righteousness and hates iniquity. And then He is immutable. In other words, He never changes. Verse 11, 12, where it says, They shall perish, but thou remainest. They all shall wax old as doth a garment. As the vesture shalt thou fold them up, and they shall be changed. But thou art the same, and thy years shall not fail. That's who Jesus Christ is. And if we fail to accept Him for who He is, we're letting him pass by. We're not availing ourselves of the salvation that God has offered to us. But should we consider this one who's so important, who gives us life, second place to anything else in life? The one who holds our life in his hand. Should he not have preeminence? 
Should anyone or anything else have governing priority over our life? Ought we not to submit ourselves to Him, to bow our knee before Him, and declare Him the Lord of our life? You know, if we do not worship Him, come to Him in repentance and faith, receive Him as the Lord Jesus Christ, the Almighty God, we will let this eternal life slip by us. That He is offered, just like the Pharisees did. You know, the Pharisees heard many of the same things that Peter and John and Andrew and Matthew and Simon and Bartholomew and Mary and Martha. The Pharisees heard a lot of the same things they did. But somehow it seemed to escape them or pass them by. They heard it. But they didn't give the most earnest heed. They let it slip. Do you ever hear somebody say that something to the effect, well, they let it slip through their fingers. You know, it's, it's like it's escaped them. I mean, they had a hold of it, but it slipped through their fingers. I remember we lived in Maine. We'd got some goats, the first couple of goats we got. I had one of the kids in the church there was out there, and we were, they were, I can't remember exactly what we were doing. The kids were pretty small at that time, and, and he had order of this one and we were outside and he let it slip through his fingers and the goat took off now this is Maine we have coyotes we have bears we live basically in the woods and the goat took off we couldn't find her my well-seller for her, she was in milk at the time, so, you know, she's going to be making milk and want to be milk. I forget how long she was going. She went to look for her one day. She almost got lost herself. But, but anyway, you know, he just let it slip. To conclude the story, the goat did come back and we was able to get her, but he let it slip. It just went through his fingers. Many people say, well, not now. Someday. I will submit to him. That's what Felix said. Felix said, not now. But the now never came. Many times it's some other relationship that takes priority that we are not willing to give up. You see, we are to have first consideration to the Word of God. Secondly, I want you to notice this morning, the consequence of the living Word. Notice verses 2 and 3. It says, For if the Word spoken by angels was steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward, how shall we escape? 
If we neglect so great salvation, which at the first began to be spoken by the Lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. Now, there's another conjunction here, the word for. So, in light of verse 1 and chapter 1, and the, the, the word for means truly therefore. In other words, there's judgment for letting him pass by, and that's what verse 2 is all about. Not giving the most earnest heed to the things that we have heard. Now, there are two time frames spoken of here. We have Old Testament, the giving of the Old Testament, verse 2, or Old Testament revelation. We have New Testament revelation, verse 3. Now, I want to look at those a little bit. You know, in the Old Testament revelation, verse 2, it says, For the word spoken by angels was steadfast. You know, God spoke the word by angels, it says here, and the word angel really means messenger. You know, those messengers may, it may have been angels. Sometimes they were prophets. Sometimes the Lord spoke directly. At the burning bush, I believe the, Mo- the Lord spoke directly to Moses. But regardless of how the Lord spoke, Galatians chapter 3 and verse 19 says this concerning this, Wherefore then serveth the law, it was added because of transgressions, till the seed shall come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Now the word ordained there means to prescribe prescribe or set in order. In other words, so the words of God in the Old Testament were many times transmitted to man by angels, who are ministering spirits, chapter 1 verse 14 tells us that, to those of us who be the heirs of salvation, and so it was set in order, prescribed by angels. God directed that. He set it in order. For example, Genesis 19.1, There came two angels to Sodom and Eve, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom. Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them and bowed himself with his face to the ground. Now verse 12, speaking about these two angels, said this, And the men said unto Lot, so here you have the two angels are spoken of as men. They appeared as men. They, they said to Lot, Hast thou here any besides? Son-in-law and thy sons, thy daughters, and whatsoever the house in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has set, sent us to destroy it. Now let me ask you a question. He says here, for if the word spoken by angels is steadfast, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense and reward, did God recompense the reward upon Sodom? He did. Judges chapter 2, verse 1. An angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Botcham and said, I made you to go up out of Egypt, and I brought you into the land which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. This was, an angel, it was a message given to Eli, or to the children of Israel. And because of their sin against the Lord. 1 Samuel 2, 27. A man of God. There came a man of God of Eli un, of God unto Eli and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt and in Pharaoh's house? So here was a man of God. But again, all these were messengers in Old Testament, given the Old Testament scriptures. In Daniel 8 and chapter, and, and chapter 9, we have angels actually appearing. The angel is named Gabriel, appeared and spoke the word of God to Daniel. In the Matthew, or Luke chapter 1, you have Gabriel appearing to Mary, giving the word. 
You know, it, even though it was given by angels, it is steadfast. Now, you come to the New Testament, in verse 3 it says, How shall we escape if we neglect so great salvation? With the first began to be spoken by the Lord, was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. So, you know, in the New Testament, some of the word of God is spoken directly from the mouth of God himself. Others relayed to us by them that heard him. That heard him. It was confirmed unto us by them that heard him. The word confirm means to make firm, established, to make sure, to prove its truth and divinity. So it is just as divine. You know, some people say, well, you know, I really pay attention to the words in red. You know what you're really doing? You're showing your ignorance of the word of God. Because all the Bible is God's word. It doesn't matter if Paul penned it or Peter penned it or Matthew penned it. By the way, those words that are in red, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John penned them. Jesus spoke them, but they penned them. Under the direction of the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit of God. You see, the New Testament was given by, you know, God bore witness through the Spirit with men who penned the Word of God. In fact, look at John chapter 14, verse 26. Just a couple of verses here. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse, or John chapter 14, and verse 26. Speaking to the disciples, the Lord said, But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things, and will bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. And then again in chapter 16, verse 12, I have many, yet many things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. Okay, so when's he going to tell them? The Spirit of God is going to give them to them after he's gone. Notice. Verse 13, how be it when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak. And he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me, for he shall receive of mine, shall show it unto you. So the Lord saying to the disciples, look, I, I have a lot of things I want to say to you, but you're not ready for them. But when I'm gone, the spirit of God will give them to you. He'll give them to you. And you can write them down. But they are the words of God. And he confirmed them. Now, so this word, whether it's Old Testament or New Testament, whether an angel, prophet, apostle, or the Lord himself uttered it, it is all equally weighty. All equally important. It all brings a just recompense of reward. Notice again verse 2. For the word spoken by angels was steadfast. That word steadfast means valid, therefore inviolable. Not invaluable, but inviolable. And that word inviolable means incapable of being violated without consequences. You violate the word of God, there's consequences. You disobey the word of God, there's consequences. God's going to take, pour out His wrath on them that obey not the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7 says. There are consequences to rejecting the gospel, to letting it pass by you. And that's what He's saying here. It can't be disregarded or disobeyed without consequence. It, it is, and, and notice, 
there's another word there. It says, and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward. Just is according to what is right or righteous. That recompense means a payment of wages due. Romans 6.23. For the wage of sin, the wages due for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, the word of God spoken through the ministry of angels, prophets, judges like Samuel or apostles and prophets is all valid. It's all inviolable. It's all incapable of being corrupted or disregarded without consequences. There is a just recompense of reward. If you receive the word of God, you'll find mercy and grace in eternal life. Through repentance and faith. If you disregard the word of God, you will receive the judgment pronounced in this book, death and hell. <clears throat> Let's look at a couple of verses, a couple of examples here. Genesis chapter 19. I quoted some of this earlier. But Genesis chapter 19. And verse 1. Genesis 19, verse 1. It says, And there came two angels to Sodom at even. And Lot sat in the gate, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face to the ground. Verse 12 and 13. And the men said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides, son-in-law, or thy sons, or thy daughters? Whatsoever the house in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxing great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-laws, which married his daughter, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his sons-in-law. And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the man laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful unto them, and he brought them out forth, and set them without the city. And it came to pass, when they brought them forth abroad, and he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee, there stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said to them, O not so, my Lord. Behold now, thy servant hath found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified in thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me in saving my life. I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me, and I die. Behold now, this city is near to flee unto. And there is a little one. Let me escape hither. There is not a little one, and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted thee concerning this also, that I will not overthrow this city for that for the which thou hast spoken. Escape hither. And then verse, and verse 24, Then the Lord rained down upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. He will overthrow those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind them and she became a pillar of salt. Now let me ask you, did Sodom and Lot's Sons and son-in-laws received their just recompense due. They did. They were warned. They were warned. They didn't pay attention to it. You know, this is true throughout the scriptures. God is a just just God. When God judges, it's injustice. Judges, chapter 2. We need to see another example. 
Judges chapter 2. Verse 1, the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bacham and said, I made you go up out of Egypt and brought you into the land, which I swear unto your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. You shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars, but you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Wherefore, I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their gods shall be a snare unto you. And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that they lifted up their voice and wept. Now, did what God say come to pass? The judgment that these nations and their gods were going to be a continual thorn in their sides and a snare unto them? Well, all you have to do is read the rest of the book of Judges. These people went a whoring after other gods constantly. And God would bring, you know, some nation would conquer them. They, they, what they did was weaken themselves. And a nation would conquer them. Then they'd cry out to God. Oh, have mercy on us. And, and God would send a deliverer. And as long as the deliverer lived, they'd be okay. As soon as the deliverer died, they'd go right back to the snares. Which God told them they were to get rid of. You know, if there are things in your life that are a snare unto you, you need to get rid of it. Error will plague you all your life. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2. 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 27. There came a man of God unto Eli and said unto him, Now Eli is the priest. He's the chosen of God. He's of the tribe of Levi. Said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Did I plainly appear unto the house of thy father when they were in Egypt in Pharaoh's house? Did I choose him out of all the tribes of Israel to be my priest, to offer upon mine altar, to burn incense, to wear an ephod before me? Did I give unto the house of thy father all the offerings made by fire of the children of Israel? Wherefore, kick ye at my sacrifice and at mine offering, which I have commanded in my habitation, and honorest thy sons above me to make yourselves fat with the chiefest of all the offerings of Israel, my people. Wherefore the Lord God of Israel saith, I said indeed that thy house and the house of thy father should walk before me forever. But now the Lord saith, Be it far from me, for them that honor me I will honor, and they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Behold, the days come that I will cut off thine arm and the arm of thy father's house, that there shall not be an old man in thine house. And thou shalt see an enemy in my habitation, in all the wealth which God shall give Israel, and there shall not be an old man in thine house forever." So basically what he's saying is, look, I'm going to cut off your seed and you're going to be, your seed is going to be removed from the priesthood. From receiving of mine offerings. Their offerings of God, some of that offering was their food. They lived well receiving the offerings of the Lord. But Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, despised them. Took what they wanted, not what was commanded. Well, chapter 4, the judgment begins. Hophni and Phinehas, Eli's sons, are killed in battle. But go to 1 Kings. You see, the full fruition of this doesn't happen till Solomon's reign. But God's justice will come to pass. 1 Kings chapter 2. 
in verse 26. And unto Abertha the priest said the king, Get thee to Anathoth unto thine own fields, for thou art worthy of death. But I will not at this time put thee to death, because thou bearest the ark of the Lord God before David my father, and because thou hast been afflicted in all wherein my father was afflicted. So Solomon thrust out Abathur from being priest unto the Lord, notice that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spake concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Therefore, there be no more priests from the house of Eli. You know, in Romans chapter 2, in verses 4 through 11, the Bible says this, Or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and longsuffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance? But after thy hardness and impenitent heart, treasures up unto thyself wrath against the day of wrath and against the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to their deeds... To them who by patient continuance and well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality eternal life, but unto them that are contentious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath, tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that doeth evil, of the Jew first and also of the Gentile. But glory, honor, and peace unto every man that worketh good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile, for there is no respect of persons with God. If you despise the goodness of God, it's like you're, you're treasuring up. You know, you know most people like to save money. I like to save money. And that's, that's what treasuring up means. You're storing up. You know, save up for retirement. Maybe you save up to go on vacation. Or you might save up to buy a new car. You treasure up. And when you despise the riches and goodness of God by disobeying Him, what you're doing is you're saving up or storing up the wrath of God against you. You see, every disobedience receives a just recompense of reward. Whether it's the angels and prophets of the Old Testament, or the Lord, or the apostles and prophets of the New. Then notice thirdly, the confirmation of the words of God. If you notice in our text in Hebrews 2 and verse 4, you know, verse 3 talks about the, the, the word was confirmed unto them that heard him. And then that's, that's who he's talking about here. God also bearing them, that's the word, them that heard the Lord. God also bearing them witness, both with signs and wonders, with divers miracles and gifts of the Holy Ghost, according to his own will. The words there mean bearing them witness means to, joining, to join in bearing witness, to unite in adding testimony. So God joined together with them, the apostles and prophets of the New Testament, he joined together with them by working miracles to prove the truth of his words to them. You know, Mark 16, 20 says, They went forth, preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. Amen. Now understand, they didn't have a Bible yet. None of the New Testament has been written yet at this point. Maybe a few books at the most. But, and so this is, this is, the Lord is confirming this with signs following. It was a temporary thing, but it happened. You know, the Lord, but the Lord does confirm His Word to us, even. 
You know, Deuteronomy 6, 21 says, Then shalt thou say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt, and the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, uh, great and sore upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence, that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. Now, did not God... Did God not confirm the word of God given by Moses? Yes, he did. He did it with signs and wonders. So he's, what he's saying with these signs and wonders, he's saying, what Moses is saying to you is the word of God. It is true. You need to act on it. You need to believe it. You know, did not God confirm his word, his promise to Joshua? We saw that Thursday night. That, that you know, God made a promise to Joshua. There will be no man be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And at the end of the book, we see that no man was able to stand before Joshua all the days of his life. And miraculous things that Joshua did in warfare, in battle. He kept his promise to Caleb. Confirmed his word. Gave him that mountain to Daniel, to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. By the way, about 100 years before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the Bible says this, But now, thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name. Thou art mine. When thou pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned. Neither shall the flame kindle upon thee, for I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel. Isaiah 43. That was written a hundred years. About a hundred years before Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fiery furnace. You know, in John 20, there's a fearful group of disciples that are meeting with doors locked. And Jesus appears. In Acts 1, before he ascends back to heaven, he tells this fearful group that they would receive power for witness. In Acts 2, the Spirit of God descends and lights upon them. They receive this power. And Peter, who before denied the Lord out of fear, stands up and explains what they had just heard, what they had just seen, and, and the signs of, and proclaims, it's all because of the risen Christ whom they had crucified. Now, did God confirm his word to them? Yes, he did. You know, those fearful band, little fearful band of disciples became fearless in the face of their enemies. In fact, the change was so radical that the Sanhedrin said, it says to them that they took knowledge of them, that they had been with Jesus. In Acts 3, through Peter and John, a lame man is healed. But again, you know, God didn't do miracles just for people to say, Wow, look what I did! Whoa. No, no, no. In fact, Peter explains it very clearly. In Acts 3, when the lame man is healed, 
in verse 12 it says, And when Peter saw it, he answered unto the people, Ye men of Israel, why marvel ye at this? Why look you so earnestly on us? As though by our own power of holiness we made this man walk. The God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and of Jacob, the God of our fathers, hath glorified his son Jesus, whom ye delivered up and denied in the presence of Pilate when he was determined to let him go. But ye denied the Holy One and the just and desired a murderer to be granted unto you and killed the Prince of Life, whom God hath raised from the dead, whereof ye, we are witnesses. And in, in his name, through faith in his name, hath made this man strong, whom ye see and know. Yea, the faith which is by him hath given him this perfect soundness in the presence of you all. You see, these miracles were all done to glorify the word of the Lord. To confirm the word of the Lord. To, it was a message to the people. Look, listen up. This what these men are saying is true. It's true. This is God working. This word they're giving is life-giving. It's life-changing. Again, understand the New Testament was not yet written when these things are all happening. And God continues to confirm his word to them that heard him. Acts chapter 9, verses 32 to 35, Peter heals a man of palsy. In verses 36 through 43, he raises Dorcas back to life. In Acts chapter 12, Herod thinks he's bigger than God. And he beheads James. And he rests Peter. But there's one thing he forgot. You know, the Lord Jesus told Peter to feed my sheep. And until Peter had finished his work, Herod could not kill him. Now, he intended to. Of course, we know that prayer was made for Peter. And the angel of the Lord delivered Peter out of prison. Do you know what happened to Herod? He died. He was eaten of worms. He was struck dead. When the people said, it's the voice of a God, not a man, and God struck him dead. You know, when we repent of our sin and trust Christ as Lord and Savior, we receive the witness of the Spirit of God. That is the confirmation that we are the children of God. You know, in a sense, God confirms Himself to us. Romans 8.16 says, The Spirit itself beareth witness to our spirit that we are the children of God. You know, as a couple of you have testified... Uh, that after years of uncertainty and, and not knowing your say, you finally understood and, and truly repented. And now that you know, you know, there's a witness of the Spirit. God speaks to you. And you hear Him. He's real in your life. You see, there's a confirmation. From God. Yeah, 1 John 2.20 says, But ye have an unction from the Holy One. 
and you know all things. That word unction means an aid. One to help. In fact, Hebrews 2, verse uh, uh, 18, tells us he is able to succor. That means to help or to aid. That's what the Spirit of God does. He gives us assurance as we walk with Him, as we obey Him, as we seek to do His commandments. He gives that assurance that we are the children of God. It's wonderful to know that you are the child of God. But you see, this word, the writer here is telling us, look, we need to give the more earnest the most important thing in life is the Word of God. It has the power to give life. You know, Paul wrote in the book of Corinthians, we are, to some we're the savor of life, and to others we're the savor of death. Now, what did he mean by that? What he meant was, when we give the Word of God to some who receive it, it brings life, eternal life. But to those who reject it, it assures them of death. The eternal judgment of God through the rejection of Him. It's they that have let it pass by and not made it their own. And so the Lord is warning us here. Don't, wet, don't let the word of the Lord pass you by. You need to receive it. You know, Mark tells us this way. It's better to cut off your hand, to lose your hand, than to be cast into hell. It's better to lose an eye than to be cast into hell. So we need to listen to the word. You know, in Luke, there's a familiar account of a man who wanted to see Jesus. But there's a great crowd, and he couldn't get to him. So he was hindered in his purpose. There was an obstacle in the way. But he saw the importance of the opportunity. So he ran ahead of the crowd, and he crawled up in a tree because he knew Jesus was going to pass that way. And Jesus said to him, This day salvation is come to thy house. We know that man as Zacchaeus. See, he wasn't going to let Jesus pass him by. We must not let the word of God pass us by. We need to take heed to it. The most earnest heed. So listen and take heed.